ultimately visualization is it, it it transformed my entire life and I realized the benefits of it. I think scientists are are just learning even more so how powerful it is and I think there's more for us as a human race to dive even deeper in. This is episode number one with five-year NFL vet Jelani Jenkins, now entrepreneur helping facilitate the development of the entire athlete, mind, body, and spirit. Welcome to Beyond the Lines. My name is Felipe Fontes, a former athlete turned sports journalist who hopes to shine a light on issues from an athlete's perspective, one that's often overlooked. Each week, we'll attack a theme with guests succeeding in a variety of sectors in today's world, from politics to business, all of which may have some type of connection with sports. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's dive in. Jelani Jenkins, welcome to Beyond the Lines, man. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, I want to start with a little background on you as an athlete. Now, we can't really... Uh, ignore that. We're going to talk about your transition from being an athlete into the entrepreneur you are today. But uh, just as an athletic background, starting from scratch, obviously came out of high school as the number one linebacker in the country. Uh, in 2009, went to Florida, played with some big names there, Tim Tebow, Joe Hayden. Uh, was Marquise Pouncey there at the time you played? Yeah, Marquise and Mike. Yep. So played with some big time players there, got drafted by the Miami Dolphins and in 2013, Led the team in tackles that year, and for the next few years stayed there. Moved, uh, went to Houston the year, and uh, enjoyed a five-year career, which is a pretty good career in the NFL. As we all know, the NFL can last for not for long, but you, you enjoyed a pretty good career there. And now you're transitioning over to the entrepreneur side of things and enjoying uh, life off the field. We're going to talk about your transition into what you're doing today, but I think a lot of viewers and listeners are going to want to understand and you get a kind of glimpse of the NFL atmosphere and what it was when you were there. So obviously when everyone's a little kid, everybody that is growing up as an athlete, you see the path, you see it. Okay. I'm going to be the best player on my high school team. All right. I'm going to get that division one scholarship and right. uh, you know, that full ride to that, to that good school. At the time you went to Florida, they were just uh, off the national championship. Right. So you had that. Yeah. And then I'm going to make the league. It seems all great. The glamour, the, the money and everything. It, we all picture that. Now, I got to ask you, is that dream scenario, how realistic is that? Is it what you dream of it when you're a little kid? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think what isn't talked about as much is the amount of hard work and blood, sweat, and tears, and just the amount of mental toughness that you gain through that whole process, especially going into Division One, um, I mean, SEC program, but all the collegiate Division One schools, I mean, they, they work out, you know, rigorously, and you learn a lot more about playbooks and different things like that. So there's so much development and growth, um, and a lot of people get lost in that. Right. Um, at that part of things. And so, you know, a lot of people do have that glamour, you know, that right. idea of what their life can be like once they become a professional athlete um, and they see all the positives and um, and they see all of the, you know, all of the gifts that the rewards that happen from the hard work. But I think ultimately what I realized was a lot of people didn't realize how much sacrifice how much hard work it takes and how much mental toughness it takes to uh, to really develop yourself to be able to play at that level. Transitioning over to uh, what you're doing today, past your playing days, I don't want to overlook 
one thing that when I was looking at your website, uh, mindbodysports.org, uh, you, you talk a little bit about yourself and your, and your process. And one thing you talk about in the NFL is that, you know, it taught you a lot about life. You said it was an incredible experience and a dream come true. And at the same time, uncovered for you the reality of the athlete's journey. Now, that resonated with me because that's something that I've experienced and not at all at your level. Um, obviously not in the league or anything like that, but I think a lot of athletes that at some point give up your playing days, they're going to understand what you're talking about there. But can you go into that and, and explain what you, what you mean there? Yeah, I think while you're in it, it's difficult to really understand the bigger picture and, and what's happening, if that makes sense. Like when I was deep in my career, professional football, especially a young athlete, just Doing, what, doing the best I could to get out there on the field and make plays. Um, you know, there's there's a system that's set up to prepare athletes to um, obviously perform at their best um, on the field. And a lot of that that system is, is geared to make you one one focus strictly on, on football. Um, and ultimately, you know, there's in order to bring out the best competition amongst one another, they, you like the coaches and um, in order to bring the best competition out of guys, they'll sort of create scenarios where they, they make you think like this is the best time of your life. This is mm -hmm. the only time you'll ever be able to um, get this amount of money. Um, so pretty much, you know, go, go all out and practice. That, that was the whole goal was to bring out the best of competition, but in doing so, um, just all throughout our career, we've been led to believe like this is it, this is it, right. this is it. And it wasn't until I left the game and had an outside perspective, I started diving into mindfulness. I really started to open my mind up to more possibilities, and I saw how um, it really leaves people um, lost when they leave. Right. You know, when you make them feel like this is it. And then, you know, they're getting money for the first time in their life and young. Um, so they believe it. And and so it's, it's, it just it just showed me that once you leave the game, it doesn't matter how much money you have. I mean, you're, you're stuck with your mental, your mental health. And if you um, have poor mental health, then that, you know, you'll, you'll eat the you'll eat away at that money pretty much. Like the mm -hmm. money doesn't really matter if you're not right. able to uh, sustain it moving forward. So right. yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's really a case where, you know, you're really playing with fire because we don't, and a lot of athletes in that position where you see yourself where you're at at that time. But, you know, once your career is over, there's a sort of what's my identity because outside of sports, you don't really know what it is. And it's, and it's not necessarily your fault. It's what society paints, right. As, as from, from when you're a little kid and when you're growing up, going through these, uh, these different stages. And uh, when you're in high school, everything's surrounding football, right? I'm from Texas. So football in Texas was literally, it was religion. It was, that's the only thing that matters. So if you played football there and you were a good player, then no, the teachers were the coach's wives. So they, they want to see you succeed. And they're going to, they're going to pass you to make you do well. But it's just, you forget about everything else. So when that is finally taken from you, no, no matter how it's taken from you, whether it's an injury or you do make it to the league and you last a few years and then you finally out, you're left with, okay, what's my identity? And it's, it's, it's something that a lot of people do struggle with. And, um, 
That's what I see you and I saw what you were doing and it it really inspired me because I saw that one thing that you said you wanted to do with kids was you wanted to utilize more than just their athletic ability for them to realize that they have more to mind, uh, the spirit, stuff like that, because that's something that can easily translate into other areas. For sure. That's another thing I realized was, to your point, like there's so many, I mean, from kids up, there's a lot of people and players that I ran into in my career that had some trauma, like grew up in very difficult neighborhoods and football was that escape and football has always been that escape. And they leveraged that, that, uh, a lot of it is fear, deep fear. I mean, they leveraged that to like power themselves up a fear of disappointment, fear of not being loved, you know, whatever they went through as children in these tough neighborhoods, they leveraged that to be outstanding on the basketball court, on the football field. And so when you don't deal with those areas and, you know, they're actually not even dealt with They're especially for a defensive player, they're taught to, um, they get cheered on and applauded when they are mad aggressive. You know what I mean? Right, not yeah. even when a lot of that aggression is coming from, you know, I saw my brother get killed, you know, at eight years old. And right. so once, they leave the game, that aggression is still there. Um, no one's cheering for them anymore. That trauma still hasn't been dealt with. You got all this money. You know, you can see how that combination turns turns wild. And so I I that's I think that's my biggest passion is I know how much the world, how much America um, you know, takes pride in sports. And I know how much influence athletes have. Right. And so my, my biggest passion is to go back and dive into that world and start to develop them in, in an entirely new way where they are not only using their mind to perform better, but they're actually healing and using their mind to um, sustain better once they're done playing, whenever that time is. And as far as for you, uh, I saw that you grew up with a, a solid family a family that uh, you grew up through elementary school and middle school. You actually went to a school where you uh, learned African history, right? And you actually yeah. weren't exposed to American history and saw some uh, a video you posted on your YouTube uh, yeah. where you were talking about how you you knew who George Washington Carver was, but not necessarily George Washington. And yeah, the yeah. the funny story you you told about uh, Martin Luther, where you were you got you were in high school and they asked about Martin Luther, and a lot of the kids were kind of hesitant to answer, "Oh, who's Martin Luther?" And you were adamant about it, Martin Luther King, you know, this yeah. civil rights leader, all this. And they told you you were wrong, and somebody else came out and was like, "Nah, he's this, uh, you know, led the Protestant revolt and on all that stuff." Uh, oh, wow. But point is, aside from all that, I mean, you were a great student near. Uh, yeah. perfect GPA in high school. But yeah. the point is, what did, what kind of values did that instill in you to be able to go through that, those, that school that you did in elementary school and, and middle school and being able to appreciate your heritage and all that? I think that's an amazing question. Um, it, it really, it, it brought on a, a level of, um, of pride in the sense of, I, I always had a vision that I, was able to and, you know, deserve to have a, a very successful life if I work hard and, I, and I'm on, my, on what I need to. And it was because I was able to um, be in that environment where, you know, we had posters on the wall of, like I said, Martin Luther King, Malcolm mm-hmm. X, Frederick Douglass, um, Nelson Mandela, 
Muhammad Ali. I mean, I, there there were so many. Um, our our room was covered with you know African American heroes, and it wasn't until I left that environment because that was all I knew growing up. It wasn't until right. I left that environment and went to that that Catholic um, predominantly white school, and I, I learned the other um, African Americans had no idea of many of those people on the wall that I came into every single day. Um, and that, that psychologically, there's a difference in, um, just, a uh, self-esteem, you know, mm-hmm. self-esteem and knowing what you're worth, knowing what you're able to accomplish. This is before Obama became president. Right. Um, you know, so just for, for people who, who look like me to see someone that looks like them able to make it, um, is not, is not. It doesn't happen often. Um, and I think the world is starting to sort of realize that in a, in, a, in a bigger way now. Right, no doubt. And so you had the strength in your foundation. And can you attest to that being a huge reason for you to be able to be you know, stronger mentally? Because having good grades is one thing, right? Yeah, you, you can put yourself and, and, and study, you know, open the books, put your head in there and, and really study. But being able to collect yourself once your plan days are over, have that identity, have that strong identity that I think you growing up in that culture gave you, how strong was that in, in helping your transition? Um, it was, it was huge, man. It, it was, it was really huge. Besides just my, um, elementary and middle school, I mean, my family, um, I was raised by a father who, you know, who was, uh, who was raised by a civil rights leader. My, mm-hmm. my great grandfather was a civil rights leader and, and knew Dr. King really well. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't just school, it was coming home. And I remember growing up, my father used to always challenge me like his father challenged him in every single thing that he did. There, there had to be some underlying factor of, okay, how is this helping, um, um, our community get out of the hole that it's in? Like everything had a a bigger vision to it. My father's an architect and you know, every time he would bring his design to his father, my grandfather, my grandfather would always ask him, that's amazing. You're a bad boy, Maurice. How, how is this going to help out our community? And he always had to have an answer for that. And so I think it just, it, it's also a motivating factor for me. Everything that I've always done has been for, you know, a, a higher purpose, not just for uh, my community, but also to, to bring to help people bring bring them closer to um, to God to um, whoever they feel their God is or you know whoever they relate to mm-hmm. and just helping people see that in themselves and see that they are able to um, accomplish anything that they want but it really helped having that support system not just from the school but from my family um, and I guess it gave me an even bigger why to motivate mm-hmm. me for all the hard work um, that, I, that I seek. And did you feel that when you did leave your playing career that you did have this strength of like self, this awareness of who you were beyond the game? Yeah, I did. I did. But even, even you know, me, I would say it was really, really blessed to have a family and a support system. Mm-hmm. I struggled. Right. Um, absolutely. I would say, yeah, I, I did have a, a year and a half buffer where I was just kind of... <laughs> all over the place, figuring mm-hmm. out, okay, what, who am I outside of this? It, it took a lot of 
trial and error and um, learning a lot about myself. So I, I would say that I was thankful and I'm grateful to have a support system that helped with that transition and, and, and helped me to understand self, you know, but even for me, it was, it was very difficult. It wasn't easy at all. And so I know for those who don't have that support system, yeah, I how difficult know how difficult it is. Right. What were the toughest parts? So you were able to transition, obviously, where you are today. Um, what, what were the toughest parts and what made you keep going and, and eventually find that, find that uh, sense of, of who you are and what you feel you're, you're meant to do? Um, I would say, I would say the toughest parts is just sort of, um, dealing with, you know, it, it, it was figuring out like the feeling inside and I didn't really right. have a title I was feeling. It was, it was uncomfortable. You know, it was a part of me missing the game. It was a part of me excited to, to, to now be opened up into a whole new world. Um, didn't know if that feeling was regret for, for leaving something behind or leaving too early. So just that journey within um, was difficult mm. and, and had to come to some real realizations of like, okay, this is something you could have done better. You know, what, what will you learn from that? What can you learn from that? Um, so I would say the, the most difficult thing was just that inner journey. Um, other than that, Financial literacy was something that I wasn't necessarily like taught or yeah. um, get a lot of experience in. So that's been a huge journey for me was just to like speak the same language as <laughs> the outer world um, outside of sports, outside of football. Um, so, yeah. So it, obviously it's it's a difficult transition and it's a period that everybody goes through some longer than, than others. But there are a lot of strengths uh, that being an athlete, you can carry that over to uh, different fields. And I think that's something you're working with young athletes right now. But it's something that if you can tune into that, uh, you can find real success uh, wherever you go, whether it's the work ethic that's that you have instilled in you, if you can tailor that to what you're doing, right? If you can, um, the, the kind of dedication you can put towards something, the um, even the book smarts where a lot of people, there's stereotypes with athletes that maybe aren't as smart. But when you think about these players that are in the league and studying these dense playbooks, it's yeah. a lot of, it, it, this is chess, isn't it? it's not checkers, right? So it's, it's tougher than that. So what did what, you find were a lot of things that you were able to, as an athlete yourself, use and, and utilize a lot of these skills that you had growing up, just being an athlete and use them uh, somewhere else? I would say the biggest thing is um, just that understanding of repetition mm -hmm. and the accumulating effect, cumulative effect of repetition and how we're so, you know, our whole career, we're lifting these weights and we're seeing like measurements actually grow over the years. And so right. I think for people who never had to, never experienced doing something consistently and seeing like real physical results, it's tough for them um, to to conceptualize, you know, how much work it takes to actually build in something. And I, I think that's one thing I noticed when I left the game um, was that I was moving 
faster than other people mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, building on skills and <laughs> using yeah. that skill to put on another skill and using that skill to build on another skill. And I think conceptually that comes down from, um, I mean, subconsciously that comes from all of those years as a linebacker, you know, learning how to shoot your hands, shoot your hands, shoot your hands a million times. And then once you get good at that, you shoot your hands and throw them away. Once you get good right. at that, you start blitzing. I mean, you, you build on each technique. And um, so I, I would say athletes have a very good understanding of like hard work and this soreness is only going to be here these first couple of weeks and then it's mm-hmm. going to get better. They know how to push through that, that uncomfortable feeling that a lot of people don't push through. Right. So mind, body sports. Now that's, that's what you're doing now. Uh, yeah. and that's, that's the name you, uh, you founded it and everything. And we yeah. talked about a little bit about your passion and that and the underlying uh, desire you have with, with that. But uh, talk a little bit more about that, what you want to accomplish with that and what all you do with that. Yeah, so one of the main things that I'm I'm looking to bring into athletics in a in a much more real way is mindfulness. You know, when people think of the the athletic side of mindfulness, they think of yoga. Uh, they don't necessarily think of mindfulness in terms of high impact sports. Um, you know, but once. I would. I didn't really get into mindfulness until like my fourth and fifth year of the league. That's when I started doing yoga, but it, it absolutely like transformed everything for me. Mm-hmm. And once I started doing research and seeing other athletes, um, great athletes who practice mindfulness, like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. You know, Michael Jordan, the whole Seahawks team when they won the Super Bowl that year, they was doing mindfulness. And Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oprah, the best athletes Steve, in the world and yeah, businessmen everything. I saw a pattern. Mm-hmm. And I started, that really also helped me with my transition, that mindfulness piece. Um, and so I saw it was something that helped performance, help people get into that flow state, athletes get into that flow state. And it also has so many other benefits for healing mental health. Um, and that's what made me really dive into that world. And I, I just... I know from being in that environment my whole career that there's so um, there's so much so little representation in terms of uh, training mindset. I mean, training mentality, training mindset, not training mindset, training mentality, training mental health. um, There could be more of that, and so I, I think that's ultimately my biggest passion is to. Just bring a whole new holistic approach to uh, training athletes and training high performance individuals. And are you working with mainly younger kids, or what's kind of the age group that you're working with? So it's it's the full range. So I have a a camp that I do every mm-hmm. summer, and that's that's part of the 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 live event section of it, and that's for younger athletes. That's for um, like eight to 15, eight to sixteen, and there's also a mentorship program that I have that's that is um, that's helping out younger athletes. But for the older athletes, that's more of my one-on-one coaching and team coaching. Um, so this it's the full range. Gotcha. And then it's not. And then I also um, do one-on-one like performance and mindset coaching, not just for athletes, but when it comes to mind-body sports, that's the group. 
with athletes uh, themselves, what do you find is the biggest challenge? Is there one uh, particular, is there one particular thing they struggle with uh, or is it really unique to the individual athlete? It's, it's very unique to the individual athlete. I think um, there's a lot of um, athletes who need help as far as resilience, like bouncing back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, and I know, it's, especially that was a big one for me was getting over a bad play because <laughs> I was so right. hard on myself. Um, so just the resilience is a big one. And then also just a um, like just lack of confidence and 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 lack of um, vision. I think I think what most athletes get out of it is just the idea of um, visualizing and connecting with that amazing play that they want to have instead of thinking of all of the worst things that can happen you know right. what i mean just yeah people getting getting a chance to see themselves make the play i think right. a lot of that's very new for a lot of athletes is, is to really see themselves making the play and feeling it inside themselves and like actually um going through it and then younger athletes they they this is the first time they're dealing with the nerves and the butterflies and they don't know how to really deal with that sometimes and, and so they, they treat it as like nerve like scary nerves and and I try to explain to them that the like nervousness and excitement are the same thing. It's just the story that you put on it. Right. Um, but it's the same feeling. And so when you're feeling that, if you have a positive expectancy, if you expect something positive to happen, that's just you being excited. And that's a good thing. Um, and then just teaching them like deep breaths and learning how to uh, be in the middle of that you know, chaotic environments, loud crowds. And learning how to take each moment you can to, to to be present and not dwell on, you know, the next game or dwell on the last play that didn't go right. It's just being in the moment. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, uh, the mentioning on the uh, visualization aspect of it, you know, it became pretty wide known. I think it was I don't know Phil Jackson. I talked about it before, but in his book Eleven Rings how the Lakers and even the, and the Bulls, when he was coaching both those teams, they would have practices where they would just sit down on, on, on the court or whatever and just visualize, right? They would just visualize the different plays. Uh, they obviously had the triangle offense, so everything that came along with that, different players yeah. uh, really trusting each other and that, and how strong that really is, the, the visualization aspect, the mental aspect, and yeah. how that can lead to success on the court. It's, it's, so, it's so, 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 so. So, so powerful. And I think ultimately, I think scientists are are just learning even more so how powerful it is. And I think there's more for us as a human race to dive even deeper in as as we, um, yeah, as we start to accept other, other thoughts and other, um, other practices that are more like Eastern practices, you know, there's more, there's more knowledge to be had about that, that whole thing. But ultimately, visualization is it, it, it transformed my entire life. And I realized the benefits of it. Um, and the Phil Jackson, he is, you know, the coach who brought on George Mumford, who was that, their mindfulness coach. Mm-hmm. And he, my, George Mumford is the one who actually was that guy who brought in that mindfulness 
into Phil Jackson's teams. And I mean, it's just a testament of how powerful it is. So, yeah. Now, now, uh, as far as regarding meditation, uh, that's something that you've talked about as well. Uh, where does yeah. that fall within this? And what I think a lot of people don't understand what all meditation uh, is really, and a lot of people have like a certain uh, perspective, or a certain thought of like well, this is meditation or that that's meditation, but yeah. there's a lot of different things out there. Uh, explain that. Yeah, so meditation, in its most basic sense, and how I use it for athletes and help them mm -hmm. understand it in a more like performance based way is training your awareness. And so when you're meditating, one of the main um, things you're doing is paying attention to your breath and I, I call it a focal point there's always like a focal point that the instructor is telling you to pay attention to and you're bringing your awareness to that focal point and your mind is going to wander <laughs> and when it does and when you notice it's wandered away you bring your attention back to that focal point that journey back to your focal point is the whole practice every time you notice that you've gotten you've gone away mm -hmm. from your breath every time you notice it that's a win and that that's what you're training yourself to do is notice your thoughts and to be able to focus in the present moment and so that's that's what meditation does especially for athletes it helps them to remain focused and not be distracted as easily um and that's just like the performance benefit of it. But there's so many other benefits that mindfulness, I mean, that meditation does for you in terms of like mental health and recovery. Um, but in the basic sense, it, it helps you train your awareness. So it goes right back to what you were saying a little bit earlier about uh, focusing on the present, right? If, if let's say, if you're a quarterback, you threw an interception the last play. If you're playing basketball and you miss a three-pointer, a wide-open three, you missed a dunk, something we see yeah. players get easily flustered. Uh, the practice of meditation is something that could easily be translated right there to where, yeah. all right, I noticed that um, I'm letting these thoughts get in my mind. Now yeah. let me focus on right now, right? Yeah, I, I, what's, what's important to know is that um, where we place our attention is where we place our energy. And so if our... If our attention is still in the past <laughs> and you're in the middle of the basketball game, if your attention is still on a play in the past, then you you literally aren't there in the present. And if you have somebody coming directly at you, focused on you, you have no chance to win that battle. And there's I was one of those guys who would have a get beat on a long um, on a long pass or so running back. And they get a touchdown on me that may stick with me for another 10 minutes in the game and I had to work myself out of that being so hard on yourself thing because I literally would not be there right. the present there'd be people I'm going against and people who were waiting for me to make a call and I was still some of my energy would still be in the past and so that's that's the importance of it is like when you're fully in the present moment you you are bringing your full self your full power your full attention uh, to be able to perform at your very best and uh, what about inspirations as far as meditation, mindfulness, everything that comes with that? Uh, we talked about Phil Jackson, uh, different people like that. You talked about LeBron James, these great athletes, Lionel Messi, that utilize this this skill. 
and this practice. Uh, but is there anyone that really inspired you to really you, yourself take on this and, and take it on more than just something you're going to practice, but you're going to pass on and, and inspire other people with? Um, I don't know if there's a, like one specific person who I look to model like meditation or like mindfulness from, but I know seeing those people, like I mentioned that were successful to do it. It made me start my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but meditation is such a, it's such a personal practice. It's, it's just a journey to understand yourself and, and your inner workings, you know, and how your mind works, how your thoughts work. And you start to ask questions to yourself of why am I thinking like that? What, what is this feeling that's coming up? How long has that, that blockage been inside of me? You start to realize, Oh, I remember in elementary school, I had that argument and I never really recovered from it, you know, mm-hmm. like things like that. So it's such a personal journey that there, there was really no one to like look up to, to, to model after because everyone has their own personal journey with it. So, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, so, it's so personal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody goes through their own journey. Now yeah. this, now what, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And with these, with these young kids and the influence and what you're putting inside of them. But at the same time, this is a business you're running and the, the field you went into post post playing career is in entrepreneurship, right? Is you're an entrepreneur and there's its, its own struggles with that. How has that been different than let's say, you know, the traditional you could go do anything. You go sell cars. Uh, you see a lot of big time uh, players who who have big names that go on to do TV stuff like yeah. that. Uh, but entrepreneurship in particular is something that a lot of people strive for and have difficulties with. So, how has that process been for you? It's been a learning journey. Um, mm-hmm. Been it's been a lot of learning involved in it. You know, the, the way I look at it is, you know, when you're doing something that you're passionate about. It is is really an extension of you. And, you know, every single day that I look towards my goals, look towards my vision, and I know that the my business is a is a is an avenue, is a vessel to get to my ultimate vision of where I see my family, where I see um, in terms of how many people that I can touch and, and impact. Um so it's really about just continuing to take steps forward and, and falling down and getting back up and learning why you fell down and then falling down again and getting back up and learning why you fell down. Um, back to that athlete mindset. I think that's what's helped me out the most is not being afraid to, to, to fail and, and to move forward. So, you know, that entrepreneurial life is, is difficult. Um, thankfully, I had a, a career that gave me a bit of time and wiggle. In, in this transition to be able to really figure out what it is that I love and want to do. Um, but, you know, but ultimately I'm, what I'm teaching and coaching is so entranced in my life and my upbringing that is really just me being me, you know, and I, I really believe in, you know, the energy we put out, we get back, um, whether that's through money, whether that's, through you know whatever whatever we put out we get back in some form form or fashion whether it's money or whatever um and so i just seek to put all i can into giving value and serving others and whatever comes through that um is a blessing you know 
that's yeah. that's my take on entrepreneurship. You know, just serve. Absolutely, and and I was gonna ask your your advice for uh, former athletes and just people in general, but especially former athletes who would want to take that route. And I think you just pretty much answered that is that, that those are the, the the pros. But is there anything in particular that you would say? I, I think one of the one of the things that really I really attempt to do is find gratitude in every single moment. Um, I think I would tell this to anybody. I would tell this to athletes that there is always in every single second, every single moment, something to be grateful for. And you'll find it if you look for it. You'll find something to complain about if you look for that too, you know? So I think remaining grateful um, opens you up to receiving. That's what I would say. That's a big key. Um, Now, uh, I, I, with, with the news that's been kind of going on the past couple of days, uh, Patrick Mahomes yesterday signed a 10 year contract. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> 10 years, 503 million, the biggest in American sports history. So it's definitely something I had to bring up for you. Uh, the NFL is known for the, the, the acronym being, you know, not for long, you don't last too long in there. And even quarterbacks who are fran- the f- face of the franchise who we see getting these five-year contracts and they're big contracts. But yeah. the previous highest contract was Matt Ryan with $150 million, uh, in total total money. He just got $503 million. Uh, I just kind of <laughs> want to hear your your uh, your input on that. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'm really happy for him, man. That's, that's fantastic. I don't know Patrick um, personally. Never played against him. But I'm, I'm really happy for him. That is completely out of the blue, like you said, for NFL standards. Um, it, I'm interested to see how the rest of the team's money is going to get spread out. I don't, you know, I don't even know how that looks, but I'm, I'm really happy for him. And sure, that's that's the value that he put out, and that's what people feel about him, and he deserves that for sure. Um, I, 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 I'm happy that you know those MLB type contracts are starting to creep up in the NFL though. That's that's very exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't really expected. They they did say it was going to break precedence and everything like that, but uh, yeah. that that did remind me of uh, I remember when I was in high school and and Su signed a big contract with the Dolphins, and you were there with the Dolphins when he signed that contract. And yeah. I just remember seeing a sixty million guarantee, and I was talking to my friends like, "Yo, that's unreal. That's you know that's unreal." Um, and then since, since you were there with them, and that just shows you how, uh, things progress very fast. I mean, that was like maybe like five, six, six years ago or something like that. Um, oh. but so you played with Dominic Su and Dominic Su, I would say he was probably like the Aaron Donald of that time. As far as like with the dominance we, we, we see, uh, I wanted to ask you that he somehow was on the same team as Aaron Donald. I couldn't even believe that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, very dominant player. I wanted to ask you, um, who's the best player uh, that you played with in your career? Best player that I played with. I'll have a little. I'll, I'll have about four different uh, little string of questions right here. But they, this, they, this is the first one. This is college and NFL. Yeah, sure. College and NFL. Okay, man, the best player. I ever played against. I want to or, give you a good or, or or with, or with or with. Yeah. 
or with? I want to give you. I want to give you a good answer for that. Why don't, you, why don't we come back to that that question? All right. Well, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to the next one real quick. Position yeah, yeah. wise, though, uh, uh, talk quarterback. So you played uh, against a lot of quarterbacks. You were a linebacker. So yeah. uh, you definitely had some uh, quarterbacks constantly in your mind. All right, I'm gonna face this guy. And you played in a time when this is arguably it was the best collection of quarterbacks. Right? Uh, yeah. Who who was the best? Who was the best quarterback you faced? Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Aaron Rodgers had the had the whole had the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and si- speed, si- yeah. yeah. Right. Intellect. He was he was I mean he he called the whole offense. He ran no huddle, just came up. I, I've never seen a quarterback like he's he's out there playing Madden for real. Like he comes up to the line and looks at us and then looks at these two receivers, does something here, does something here, you know, look at us. Check that. Do something here. Do something here, and then bam, and then he just moved down. He, he just he he got so much swag with him too. And then he can run. Right. How and do they, you they on some on an audible? Right. Um, fake spike in the last play of the game to beat us in Miami. Yeah, I remember that. I remember watching that. <laughs> yeah. So he he he. And I think book. I think Miami's own Dan Marino was the like the last one to do that before yeah. Aaron Rodgers, right? It was wild. <laughs> so obviously, just uh, you don't know Patrick Mahomes, but I think a comparison a lot of people have is because you talk about Aaron Rodgers, arguably the most talented quarterback as far as just all the talents and intangibles that you mentioned. Do you see Patrick yeah. Mahomes and or Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes? In yeah, the same yeah, way? I definitely see that in terms of just someone who who can make a play out of anything. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. so as a linebacker, you grow up, you play running back as well most of the time, uh, yeah. and you face a lot of running backs. You're, you're, you're getting around linemen, and uh, that's that's your, your guy you make a lot of contact with. Who is the best running back you faced? Man, you know who gave us the most havoc was, was uh, Sean McCoy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, Cow- I'm a Cowboy fan, so he, he gave us some havoc, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he... Um, he gave us a lot, a lot of, a lot of mess. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you man, played, you, so you, many good players. It's hard yeah. for me to pick one of any. There, there were some good running backs at that time. Yeah. Uh, Arian Foster was 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 real good, Arian right? Foster, yeah. And Matt Forte was doing his thing at that time. Yeah. Lashawn Lashawn McCoy. He he was because we played him twice a year. That's who I just know more than anything. I know we're gonna have to, and then they run the ball so many times. The Bills. So, right. man, Tyrod Taylor, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go with Sean. Okay, cool. And uh, a position you have less familiarity with, as far as I mean, you got familiarity with all these players, but uh, less, uh, let's say, intimate <laughs> uh, as far as your position goes. But a receiver, you are out there covering receivers sometimes. Yeah. Uh, who was the best receiver you 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 faced? Um, maybe DeAndre Hopkins. Already at that time? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That or Megatron. Yeah, yeah. You were playing at the time that Calvin was out there. <laughs> yeah, he was a, yeah. He was a freak. Yeah. D-Hop, I mean, I ended up playing with him in Houston, too. But I right, right. Against him. 
Um, he he just caught everything. I, I've like never, I've rarely ever seen him drop the ball. Right? Were you were you that that time you were in Houston? Was that the Hard Knocks year or no? No. No. Nah. You probably you probably seen the the D'Angelo Hall DeAndre Hopkins uh, a little the thing. Fight. Well, yeah, but uh, DeAndre Hopkins was talking a lot of mess, and then and then uh, or D'Angelo Hall was talking a lot of mess, and then DeAndre Hopkins like broke his ankles on a hitch route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it went kind of viral, but yeah, um, I, I, I came. I I was there the year um, where, where everyone got hurt. Deshaun Watson got hurt as okay. well. Right. Um, but no, yeah, that was that was a good time. DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins was the one. And, and and in your division too, that you spent quite a bit of time in. Uh, since you're talking about playing Lashawn McCoy a lot. Uh, a player in a position you do come in contact a lot with as as a uh, as a linebacker is tight end, and you faced a pretty uh pretty dominant force in uh, New England too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, who's my favorite tight end? Who the best tight end I played against? Pro- probably Rob Gronkowski, right? Yeah, it would have to be Gronk. It would have to be Gronk. There were a lot of good ones. Right. Um, a lot of savvy tight ends. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard. There's so many great players in the league for their own specific reason, their own specific Absolutely. niche. Um, like, yeah. There, there are a lot of tight ends who know how to use their body really well, and they're very effective. The Antonio Gates of the world. Yeah. Um, who's on man from the Cowboys? Jason Witten. Jason Witten. Yeah. He, he was aggravating to play against. Um, so, yeah. All right, so let's go back. You got to you had some time to think, possibly best play, best player to to play with or against. That could be a defender as well. Uh, it had me thinking because, like I said, the Patrick Mahomes deal reminded me of the Indomitian Kung Su back at that time, and you were playing with Sue at that time. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's someone that I I wouldn't be surprised to hear. But I uh, just wanted a, a, your perspective on that. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. I don't know why. I'm trying to think of somebody who I was just on the field with and was just looking at them like, oh my god. Because yeah. there has to be somebody, like, is that, right? There is that, right? I mean, we, we watched The Last Dance, and it's kind of the way people looked at Michael Jordan. It's, yeah. it, it, like, you hear, like, guys like Shaq come out, and they're like, yeah, I looked at him, it was like Jesus. Like, I don't know if there was somebody on that level, obviously, the Michael Jordan level, um, but was there just that guy, the, the, the best player, maybe, that you played with or played against that either caused fear on uh, opponents or just the uh, crazy amount of respect? Aaron Rodgers, I think you 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 talked about how great he was, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to a guy. I'm not All gonna right. say it's like the best time I've ever played, but okay. Brent Grimes. Oh yeah, Brent Grimes for his size and his age, he was one player where I would say wow a lot of times with him being on his team, practicing with him, seeing how high he jumps up in the air and be doing flips and catching the ball with one hand as like a, a, a relatively small guy, he would have me saying, wow, a lot. That I was looking for that wow factor of somebody I've been with. Yeah. And there's players like that, but Brent Grimes, I, I want to give him a shout out. Um, he, was, he was known for talking a little bit too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> man, I don't know, man. I, you know, Rashad Jones. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Rashad Jones too at safety. He, safety, he was somebody right. who uh, 
man, he made so many plays when we needed it. So many plays. I got so many guys who I, I think gotcha. are another I Matt Elam. Okay, yeah, another safety. Yeah, yeah. At the University of Florida, man. Matt was one of those guys. I always told Matt he was my favorite player. Like he was one of those dudes who who was larger than life. He had that Sean Taylor, Sean Taylor energy. Gotcha, I, gotcha. I love safety. Well, look, man, uh, John, I really appreciate you coming through. Uh, it was very insightful, uh, everything yeah. you did, everything you're doing. And um, I think a lot of people can take a lot from that, learning what uh, mindfulness is, meditation. Uh, not only that, what you're doing right now, but the transition and uh, how you were able to go from being an athlete and overcome different uh, adversity in general to be able to get to where you are. Uh, very, uh, very good stuff, man. And then I just had to ask you some of the NFL stuff. But before uh, before we go, uh, I know you got social media and, and your own YouTube channel and everything like that. If you want to yeah. kind of plug that right now. Yeah, um, you can check me out at, on YouTube. My name, my channel is Mighty's Touch. M-I-G-H-T-Y-S space touch, T-O-U-C-H. Um, so check that out. Subscribe to that. That's cool. And my Instagram is at Mighty King Jenkins, M-I-G-H-T-Y-K-I-N-G-J-E-N-K-I-N-S. And that's where I live for the most part. Awesome, man. Yo, I, th- I thank you for coming through again, man. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the yeah. conversation. This is cool, man. I appreciate you. Beyond the lines, right? That's it. Absolutely. Yeah, keep up the good work, man. I'm proud of you. Happy for you. Keep doing the good work. Appreciate you. Thank you all for listening. If it's your first time here, please subscribe over on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast. And check us out over on YouTube at Beyond the Line. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend and tag Jelani so he knows that you're listening and what you enjoyed from the interview. Stay tuned for our next episode coming next Friday at 1 p.m. I appreciate all of you guys. Until next time.